Hi, I'm Danny Klein Modisette, and this is the Afterbirth Podcast, featuring real stories about raising kids that you're not going to see in a parenting magazine. Here's a story by actor-writer Andrew McCarthy called The Bugaboo. It was recorded at the Triad Theater in New York City in 2008. This is called The Bugaboo. My partner loves her bugaboo. I've hated it since the day we got it. It's easy to hate. After you buy the rain cover and the car seat attachment and the mosquito net and the breezy sun canopy and the parasol and the snuggly foot muff on the latte cup holder and the grocery bag hook and the custom diaper bag and the transport bag, it tops out at well over $1,000. $1,000. For a stroller. My first car cost me less than that. For a thousand dollars, you can feed a family of five in Sri Lanka for a year and try getting the fucking thing into the trunk of a taxi while cars pile up behind you on a busy street. There's one day I remember in particular. I was trying to break down our bugaboo and put it on the bus after a day by the sea in Dunleary, Ireland. Don't ask me about getting it on a plane. The bus driver would not allow it on board except in the folded condition, and he was threatening to leave me roadside as I struggled to collapse the metal frame. As I waged war curbside on the base of my partner's beloved bugaboo, she watched through the window, as did the entire bus. With our precious daughter clutched to her breast while my son from my previous marriage pressed his nose against the glass, steaming the window, Finally, Dolores sent out Sam, age five, to help. (laughs) Daddy, you just press the hooks down and back, not up. No, no, Daddy, Daddy, no, no, don't jam it. Sam, I said to my son as I unclenched my teeth, Daddy knows how to do it. Memories of my explosive father and his overheated Jaguar in the middle of Harlem in 1973 on the way to Yankee Stadium with my 11-year-old self and my best friend David Autry crammed into the jump seat in back suddenly leapt into my mind. (laughs) After my father's display of misplaced anger that afternoon, David never came to my house again. (laughs) Just get back on the bus, sweetheart. Daddy will be right there. I told Sam, conscious of my feelings of superiority to my father, even in this moment of near physical violence. No, Dad, you won't, Daddy. You don't know how to do it. Sam, please, just get on the bus. I will get a taxi and meet you and Dolores and Willow back in Dublin, I said. And secretly, I decided I would throw the bugaboo into the North Sea. Just, Just a few yards away after the bus had departed. No, Daddy, here, look, I'll show you. My son reached for the culprit a small silver handle that would not respond to my insistent jabbing. Sam, please, I said, my voice rising, my frustration mounting. Just get on. At that moment, God asserted himself into my life. The crossbar released and the wheels folded over and the bugaboo base collapsed and I hoisted the now properly folded contraption up and onto the bus as passengers leaned far back in their seats, eyes averted as I stormed down the aisle, fury masking my humiliation. For the duration of the 40-minute ride back to Dublin Center, I sat on the upper level of the bus fuming, far away from my family who sat contentedly on the main level below me. 
Naturally, I blamed my partner for all this. Not only had she wasted $1,000 of our money, but she had clearly ruined my life. As the bus lurched back toward town, the, thought, the thought settled in on me, albeit six years late, that my life had really and truly changed beyond any recognition of its former incarnation. I took stock. I was divorced. I'm not the kind of guy who gets divorced, I told myself. I have two small children by two different women. What do I, play in the NBA, I wondered? <laughs> And I divide my time poorly between New York and Ireland, living in neither place peacefully, having succeeded only in doubling my budget and belonging to the worst frequent flyer program in the sky. <laughs> How did this happen to me? How? I demanded as the bus lumbered through a kind of suburban hell. A hell different to the one I grew up in in New Jersey, but unmistakable in its look of muted desperation. The facts were easy to trace. I had married my college sweetheart after 20 years of thinking it over. We had then had a child, which was the culmination of our youthful love, and we split. I met a woman, and after four days, she moved to America. A week later, she was pregnant. That all seemed kind of quick. <laughs> except, except for some of the days early on when the morning sickness was in full bloom, those days seemed long. Very. It was then, during protracted, solitary afternoon strolls in the woods, that I decided I would move to Bolivia. Alone. But then our daughter was born, and love saved the day. So that's how I got to be on the bus in Ireland. That much was clear. But like I said, those are just facts. So much of the why of it all has remained a mystery to me. As the bus inched along, stopping to take on ever more suburbanites, escaping their torpor for a night in the big city, I told myself, hey, it's normal I'm just now realizing how different my life is. A lot has happened, fast. I'm just getting my head above water. Maybe it's because I'm on the second tier of this bus that I can suddenly see so clearly. I can <laughs> And I patted myself on the back for retaining such a good sense of humor in difficult times. But whatever the reason, the veil was dropping, and it was becoming clear to me what perhaps should have been clear from the very start. My simple, well-ordered life would never come back again. And with that, the realization dawned on me that perhaps I should stop trying to call all the shots. After all, they seemed to go challenged, disregarded, or unheard. And the one or two that were acquiesced to proved even more disastrous. <laughs> Clearly, I could not run all our lives. Running my own life when I was alone, it was easy to fool myself that I was doing a terrific job orchestrating things, and after all, there was no one around to contradict me. And hey, maybe I was, goddammit, but with a new partner I was still getting to know. I wasn't even sure if she liked me yet. I was making one wrong move after the next, and as we disembarked the bus and crammed into her parents' car, I felt like the teenager I had not been in many, many years. I tried to laugh along as my struggles with the bugaboo were recounted in the car and again later that evening at the family <laughs> dinner table. But I felt alone in it all, isolated and misunderstood. <laughs> then, as everyone around me hardly dove into a dessert, I proudly refused out of self-pity. 
And I watched my son attack gob after gob of chocolate ice cream, a good portion of it actually finding its way into his mouth. And as I looked on, as my daughter pinched and plucked raisins from the tabletop and proudly gummed them into submission, and as I saw my partner chatting so effortlessly with her family, something I could never do, I felt suddenly like the Grinch who stole Christmas atop of Mount Crumpet. My heart seemed to verily burst open and all the love I normally hold in check for fear of being decimated by its loss or by its rejection poured out. As I sat at that familiar dining room table in a room cluttered with what had always seemed to me meaningless trinkets, <laughs> trinkets that suddenly illuminated a legacy of shared love and connection, a feeling of calm and well-being descended upon me, a feeling unlike any I had known one that I would not admit to anyone until much, much later, once it had safely receded. But there was no denying that it had left its mark, like a high tide line in the sand on the morning after a full moon. It's easy to misassign emotions that belong on yourself to your loved one. After all, that's what relationships are for, deflecting responsibility. <laughs> but it takes a certain maturity to deflect things onto inanimate objects. And the bugaboo has proven to be the perfect receptacle <laughs> for my occasional fits of resentment in my situation. A situation which amounts to my loving more than I ever thought I could, and certainly more than I would like, and allowing myself to be loved by more people than I ever thought I would. And in that love, I have come to realize just how little say I have, and just how lucky I am to be so far out on an emotional limb. God bless the fucking bugaboo. <laughs> For more information about Afterbirth, the live show, the book, or the podcast, please visit www.afterbirthstories.com. Thanks. <laughs>